Open your eyes. This is America. The greatest nation on Earth. Where rats have it better than Italian children. If we are to build an empire of hope, we must first conquer New York. Our New York is being threatened by a wave of brown-skinned filth. They just keep coming. We ought to ship them all back. We have to show America we are all people of dignity. I want to build an orphanage. Be careful. This place will eat you alive. Even the Pope cannot protect you from what may come. I am unashamed. What about you? I don't think I have any notes. Yeah, we were, uh, so Dad is doing uh, media today for his book. And uh, he was also one on the last podcast. I forgot to mention that uh, uncanceled is that, which uh, we'll talk more about that later. But Dad has been—he's uh, been all over the place. On the—I mean, he's been. Of course, you know it's funny because we used to have to go to New York or Washington or wherever to do media, and you'd have to go and stay two or three days. You remember, I have to do like a book run, and oh yeah, it's this is—I feel weird though. I mean, I'm so you're I'm in usually. Yeah, I'm in Phil's chair, but I don't feel <laughs> philosophical because so, I, I'm I'm looking the wrong way. I don't know. I feel weird. No wonder he doesn't say much. <laughs> well, just at some point, just make sure you go and read Titus. Uh, you know that all the what was all the uh, good good works. Uh, Phil's just like just do good. <laughs> hey, America, that's the next book. <laughs> just do good. Just do good. That actually might work. It might really. work. It, it is. It is noteworthy that Titus, that he did. He does say that over and over yes. and over. Just But you know what's funny is, Jay. So like some of the people that Dad's been, I've been, I've gone back and listened to some of his interviews, and some of them are like this. They're podcast style, so they're kind of long. But he, they're really intrigued because like the the subject matter is about cancel culture because his book is called Uncancel. So, you know, they're like angry about it. So, you know, they keep wanting to make him angry. And I guess maybe old dad would have been angry, you know, because that was pretty, you know, he, he got pretty fired up about things. But he's been very non-angry. Like he's like, oh, no, you got to love them. You got to love people. And they're like, well, yeah, I know, Phil. But, you know, and then they give another example. He said, yeah, love them. You know, we're just trying to do good here. And he just keeps resetting back to that, kind of like he does on the podcast. Yeah. And But I think they they're intrigued by that because – Nobody's really pushing that out in the old cancel culture discussion is, you know what, why don't we just let it go, you know? I think after a while, I mean, you, because I'm shocked at how much we were attacked just for doing a reality show right. that was PG, family-friendly, realistic, authentic. We were ourselves on the show, and there, you know, all the, I guess, hate mail, which was a very small percentage. Yeah. But if you start reading that stuff, it would affect you for a couple weeks. And then you finally realize, I guess I've been in the Lord 30-something years. I just, that's the way I look at people. They're people. We're one race, human race. So I think that frustrates people because it seems like the society is wanting to find the differences and then somehow promote the differences so that we can promote unity. It, It seems like, the cart before the horse. Well, and I have to say, the sad truth is, really and truly, in in the world of Christianity, and I put that in air quotes, just Christendom in at large, we were much more divisive before our country was divisive. Yeah, I mean, which is sad. I mean, we, you mentioned this a couple of podcasts back, and I didn't get to a chance to jump in on it, but you were talking about how that people will go out of their way. I think we were talking about when you, when you preach Jesus, you know, it's easy to have that foundation, but you know, there are people, we, we took a class when we were in school. Uh, you may not remember it because you slept through a lot of, of our seminary classes, Speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, the class was about learning 
every world religion. I remember that. It was you remember like that? Called world culture. Yeah, and, and it and was. I'm like, just like <laughs> Matthew 28. That's right. He's <laughs> like, what? Go into the world, preach the gospel to all nations. So I don't, we, I don't care where we you're spent. From. We yeah. spent a semester, so that was four months, once or twice a week, however long that, however much that class was meeting, studying all the tenets of everywhere religion and what you're to right. say to come. And I was like, at the time, I even thought, well, I guess we're just in the grind here, trying to get through a. a I slept through the last <laughs> nine tenths of that class, and because I mean, of his. It, if you could, that's basically one class. Just if we preach Jesus, we're kind of not worried about, you know, but what to, to me, say. it's like, what do you find the similarities in? I mean, we're all created where we don't choose life. I mean, you, you're given life's given. You look up and you're here one day yep. and then we're all different. Technically. I mean, there's a few twins, I guess that are physically look a lot alike, but even that there's always subtle differences. So I tend to look at things like, well, we're all sinners. We're all given life. We're, we all, our life is going to end. We all have something that is a talent or something that we, we like to do, whether you suppress it or not. But these are the things, you know, you find common ground in. I'm not, there's no one like you on the planet. Right. So it's just a terrible thing to try to find physical differences and then, or even, political differences who you vote for because it comes back to these same issues about life and i'm like let's focus on the spiritual character qualities and then go down that road instead of making note of everyone's differences and then having a list of things to say that it's non-offensive. Well, right. <laughs> or you know, I mean, it's like what, what, what do we do? You're, you're gonna if you if that's the way you approach every person, we're all different. Right. Yet we have similar qualities that we can unite on, that are weightier. Right. Than what color you are, or um, you know. <laughs> well, the, the the solutions are the same solution. You know, we, I get a lot of emails from our unashamed audience, and it's like, well, tell me, help me. What do I tell a Muslim? I'm like. First Corinthians 15, one through four, yeah. uh, you know, Romans one, 16, 17. I mean, like you just, if Jesus is the answer, no matter mm-hmm. what group you're talking to, you're not going to debate somebody over Islam or over Hinduism or Buddhism or, you know, you it, look, those things, if you may be into interesting, finding out about other groups, that's fine. But I'm telling you, Jesus is still the only answer. Well, exactly. Just think about, the problem we're think, about think about of all the studies you've had. I've, Share Jesus with highly uh, people with master's degrees, mm-hmm. highly educated people. More educated and, than you. Oh, well, that doesn't, that, that's not hard. <laughs> but, and also, you know, someone who dropped out of high school. That's right. When you say, well, is the message the same? Identical. Yeah. There's no difference. Right. That's what's crazy about all this is because God came up with a plan through Jesus that literally identifies with all people, right. no matter your education, your background, your creed, your race. So when he said the uh, in Matthew 5, when he went through the Beatitudes, I mean, you think about what he did here. He's like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Well, guess what? We can all, all human beings yeah, that's a good point. can pursue those qualities. That's why he's so appealing. Well, then it says, verse 10, which is what we started this conversation. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Well, there's your counsel culture. I mean, this was written 2,000 years ago. That's right. Rejoice and be glad. Great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, I mean, you, you have to take it with a grain of salt and... I mean, the the big picture things, which is what Jesus dealt with, characters of, characteristics of the heart. I mean, that's what I'm concerned about. When I told you the, the biggest illustration I've seen lately of that very thing was when we went to the march. You know, I mean, every conceivable 
kind of Christian different groups were there. And, uh, and, and it was really a beautiful thing for me to see because it was like we were united in a common cause. It was, it was mm-hmm. pro-life. It was like, you know, we, we want to change that about our, our country and our culture. And so it didn't matter. I mean, we could have gotten into philosophical and, and doctrinal debates all day long, but what good would that have done? We were there together. And yeah. so I think that's kind of what we've kind of lost culture-wise for sure. And because, you know, division sells and, and look, the evil one, there's no doubt. I mean, that's you, you, when you see something that's having the impact on a culture like ours right now, so much division, so much vitriol, the whole cancel idea, you know where it comes from. Mm-hmm. has to be from the evil one. It's too the plan is too foolproof. It's too it's working too well. It's causing too many problems. It has to be him. You know, yeah. when you see well, I think that's why God's plan is, look, there's a time and place to defend things. We defend the innocent and yep. life and. But you also, he also said, love your enemy. So there's a point you reach where you're just like, yep, okay, I get it. I love you. And, and I think Phil, you know, you, you brought him up. He, he's really, the Lord has really put that on his heart. And uh, I commend him for that because it is difficult. I can't tell you how many people, I mean, everywhere I go, they're like, your dad. I mean, you know, and they just go into all the glowing things they love about him. And I realize it's just because of his consistency, you know. Yeah. Well, he's blunt. And look, he's, to his credit, he has said, you know, I've said a lot of things that I probably could have said better. <laughs> but when you talk a lot, that's going to come up. But if you're growing and and you realize where this is coming from, it is coming from the fruits of the Spirit. There, You know, we do try to to say things in love. I mean, that right. what's that Ephesians passage? We speak the truth in love. And sometimes that's hard because it, it makes us mad at some of the things that are going on in our right. country. You know? so, I'm, so I'm speaking um, this week. I'm, I'm going up to Illinois, and I'm speaking to a group of church leaders. And I think he told me there's like 108 churches. And uh, but they're they're kind of a loosely connected group of people. They're farm towns. I mean, this is up in Illinois, Missouri area. And he was telling me because he said, "We just I just want you to encourage the leaders." I'm speaking at a men's thing that night, which is a big you know draw for the community. But he said, "Would you speak to our our leaders, like elders and people in these churches around some some of them?" And he he mentioned that only about thirty out of the hundred plus churches have a preacher. You know, because they're small and they're yeah. farm communities, and they just really can't afford that preach. So a lot of people just kind of stepping up, and and I was like, yeah, I'd love to, you know. And so I then I got to thinking, what am I going to tell him? Because he was like, we're in these communities, it, you know, nothing's really happening. That people aren't moving here, you know. People have moved away from here, and it's just kind of like the same people mm-hmm. week in and week out. And so it's easy to kind of get depressed because you don't have a lot of people to work on, you know. And so I got to thinking about, I said, what, you know, what am I going to, how would I encourage them? And, but then it hit me, I thought, well, no matter what your circumstance is, you're in the city or in the country or wherever, I mean, the same things we talk about that impact you and lift you up work. And so then I just, that started me down the rabbit hole of saying, you know, they just got to center on the gospel, grace, Jesus, what he's done for you. I mean, every family is impacted that. And look, then I got to thinking, you know, that's probably going to change because these cities, at some point, these people are going to get tired of living, the, yeah. what's going on. So I thought they're probably, if the Lord doesn't come back, they're going to come move out here. And then all of a sudden, if you've got it on straight, they're going to come to you. And yeah. so that's kind of what I'm going to encourage them with. Well, you think know. about it. I mean, I think a lot of people. Yeah, let's take a break. So uh, we talked about on the last podcast when we had the Duffy Zone, we were talking about counseling and the and how good it can be for a family and what it can do. And, and Missy shared a great counseling experience that you guys had. Sometimes it's difficult when you don't know somebody or if you don't live in a large place that has you know offers a lot of counseling. And so one of our uh, sponsors is a, a group called Faithful Counseling. And what they do is they offer you the opportunity to get really good counseling, but to do it online, uh, text, chat, phone, video. It's, they're really good. There's 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states. I've heard back from some of you that have used these guys and said it really helped you a lot. They're faith-based, convenient, secure, so uh, and it's affordable. If you go on now, faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed, uh, you're going to get 10% off your first month uh, from our sponsor, so that'll help you out as well. 
You go on there, faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. You're going to fill out a questionnaire. They're going to assess your needs and connect you with a counselor. So check them out, faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. A lot of people, they're like, well, I don't know what to say. The reason I don't share Jesus, and they they don't view Matthew 28 as something that is directed toward them because they're like, well, number one, I'm a sinner, but we're all sinners. Right. All, and all these men who wrote these letters, they were sinners that God has sanctified and saved. So if we go by that basis, nobody would ever say a word. Right. Or they say, I don't know what to say because I'm not that educated. Or I, I think that's coming from the cancel culture as far as because the underlying premise of it is to stop the proclamation of who the Lord is because they don't want to change the way they live or right. behave. They're like, because if there is a God and he did write this and he does have a standard and character that is our moral compass. Well, if you embrace that, then you got to change the way you live. Well, right. people don't want to change the way they live. So they attack saying, right. well, there's no God. You, you made it up. I mean, it's this fantasy. It's a fantasy that, that you've created despite all the historical evidence you know, of the Bible and the fulfilled prophecy and all the things we talk about and creation itself, the evidences of that. But still, I think it always comes back to that point because I've thought that when I started speaking, I was like, well, who am I? I mean, especially if it's a bunch of leaders. I spoke not too long ago. I think there was 500 pastors and their wives, and I was asked to speak. So at first you're like, well, what am I going to say? Well, it's the same thing concept of what Paul wrote in this letter to the Corinthians. It's the most simplistic foundation that you could come up with. I mean, he basically started off saying, look, I'm not going to preach anything besides Jesus and him crucified. And that didn't mean like, oh, well, the resurrection's not important because he got to 1 Corinthians 15 and he gets into that. But it's like, you know, I think people, they look at religion as like some kind of puzzle that you've got to try to fit all the pieces through knowledge, education, or you know, hard work and inspiration to make everything fit so then you can figure out your own life. Right. And it's not that way at all. God is a person. You're introduced to him. You get to know him. All this is written letters that happen throughout our history that leads you to a to the ultimate writer which is a being god he, the, these men spoke from god as they were carried along by the holy spirit and then you introduce him to other people that doesn't mean you're perfect right. or you got everything figured out you're you're just introducing a person who's full of grace and can transform your life and that's so much different than trying to put all these pieces like you brought up the world culture i mean we didn't need a 10-week class on world culture. I mean, just give me the high points. That's right. But the same Jesus is going to be appealing to all cultures. Right. Because we all make mistakes. Right. We all have brevity of life. It ends. We all need these characteristics. That's 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 the what we have on our side is these characteristics of God, truth, and character and integrity and perseverance and all, all these things, the plan of God, it's appealing to all cultures and right. will make them dynamic. Right. And the, and you you have to have a, a foundation to know that. Because we talk about the culture, you know, you talk about populism or, or pop culture, popular culture. So much of what's driven now, same with the social media, is everybody wants to poll to see how what we think about something. In mm. other words, if we're going to lead, we need some polls. We need another. We need to know what people are thinking out there. Which, at its base, sounds like a good idea. We did a poll on this po- on the podcast. W- would you watch a show if we did a show about treasure hunting? And you you really base your decision on whether we're going to move yeah. forward the project, what they say. So that's that's a good thing. Get information. But if we said, okay, we're going to do a poll to see if Jace should stay married to Missy. <laughs> you know, because obviously every time we're on the podcast, y'all are, you know, you got these clashes. We have fun with it. Yeah. But would that poll matter to you, Jay? Like, so if 80% no. of Unashamed Minus said, Jay, I think you need to cut or lose, is, is that going to affect? No, it wouldn't affect me. It wouldn't affect you at all. So, so what I'm saying is when you look at popular culture and the way things are driven, 
you, if you don't have a standard, if you don't have something, somebody poll, so we're going to do a poll whether Al's going to keep following Christ or not. I wouldn't care what or you're should po- you should you or know, should I? Yeah, yeah exactly. So I, I wouldn't care what the way our said. culture is though. They base their decisions on where the herd is that's headed. Right. Yeah. And, and if population. you get enough people, there's power in that. And you said before the whole stock market thing, right? All follow that the is herd. follow the herd. You can have a great company. And if the herd says no, <laughs> now you can stay with it. And it'll eventually probably, if it is a great company, come back. Right. But guess what? It, it, you're going to lose a lot of money on the way once the herd turns on it. And they do the same thing with now through advertising and support. And if if enough people start challenging something, that's how they yield their power. Right. If they find something objectionable, whether it is or not, whether it's not, if enough of the big companies say we're out, then all of a sudden you have controversy because oh, yeah. the herd has turned on you. That's why it's so difficult to be public about your faith in Jesus because a lot of people and a lot of, a lot of major corporations and a lot of political branches do not support a God-led society. Right. So you're... You're going to be attacked. Exactly. Yeah. So here's a, so here's what I'm going to do, Jay. So this just came to me. I'm going to try my so it's the top ten list. My my presentation is the like top it. ten list. So I'm going to do, I'm going to try it out on you, and and our audience because by the time this podcast comes out, I would have already been to Illinois and back home. So this is top ten things I wish I knew when I started because these are ministry people. So when you started your ministry. Started in ministry. So when did that? When, when would you say? So that was. I mean, uh, technically, your ministry starts, I guess, when you come out of the water. It does. When I was eighteen, but <laughs> when you accept Christ, when I when I was trained and then decided that I was going to, you know, spend my life basically yeah. ministering to other people. That was I was twenty three. We graduated from school, and I was an intern at the church. But I was already like thinking, okay, I guess I'm. This is what I'm going to be doing, even though I wasn't real sure about it. You know, it took me a few years. It took and me. What's about- weird at the same time, I tried. I was recruited by the same people that were recruiting you to go into ministry. Right. And what I mean by ministry is like pay paid for, ministry, right? Pay ministry, which I think I tried at six months, maybe, or was it longer? You were a little longer, maybe a year or two. We interned for two years together, you long the- enough to realize. I'm not doing this. You, you were less than a year once we actually got hired on. Because there were no windows. Right. <laughs> and I had, They gave me an office, and there was no windows. They had a dress code somewhat. I mean, it wasn't written on a piece of well, paper. When we were interns, there were four of us in one office. <laughs> so but I was kinda... <laughs> constantly being called in about the way my attire. That's and right. I was like, look, I wear camouflage. I have no money. And... Well, you remember uh, back then, Jace, they even kind of, there was kind of even an expectation, especially for some things where you're like a tie, like a oh, that's right. suit yeah, and tie. I like, guy. I don't really own a suit I put together. and But it wasn't just that. And then I, I shared a couple podcasts ago, you know, I had a study with a guy and he's like, the only reason you're sharing this with me is because you're paid to do it. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm out on this. Yep. But what's before your 10 top 10 list is, you know, I went in a different direction, but I realized something that, you know, even this whole letter started in to Corinth. I mean, it was three tent makers. They went around, they built tents, right. and they obviously used that as a platform for sharing Jesus, which is, I went down that road. I was like, if I can figure out doing what I love to do, if I can figure out how to make I live in doing that. Yep. That's what I want to do. And I like to fish and I like to hunt. Phil had the duck call business. Yep. I think I was the first paid employee. Probably so. But I had a prayer to God that I said, you know what? If you'll if you'll bless me in this endeavor just to provide for my family, which is kind of a terrible way to pray, but I was immature. <laughs> I remember saying, when I do duck call seminars, I will always bring up Jesus. I mean, I, I literally made a vow to do that. And to this day, I've done that in every time I've ever spoke, which took the pressure off me because I was a shy guy and I didn't want to get up and speak. Well, which was kind of funny, Jason, because you say that now. And I mean, not that it's not true, but I mean, you feel that way about yourself. But when we were in school, like, 
you seem much more natural than me. Oh, they would say that, but like, I felt when you were horrible. When you were doing chapel, cause it, yeah. cause the way it works is you, your, your fellow students is who you yeah. cut your teeth on in your instructors. But when Jace would do a lesson, I mean, he was funny and, I mean, really good insights. And I, and I, and I felt like mine was just kind of like, whatever. I mean, it was just kind of ironic to me that I wound up doing this my whole life and that you were better at it than I was starting out in the beginning because it was just natural, but, it, but, but that's what they kept saying. And I remember having a debate with one of the, uh, with the, uh, what do you call them? The instructors, instructors. or whatever. He he was like, well, you just got some natural build. I was like, I thought this was supposed to be spiritual. <laughs> and they, he was like, well, that's not my point. But I was like, you're an instructor. That's right. and, but they kept saying that. Yeah. But I, cause I was like, I'm not good at, putting together lessons and I'm still not I'm not well I can't remember anything so then I I just started studying praying trying to get myself out of the way right and just like I'm just this is not about me I'm gonna get up so even in school that was my attitude I was like I'm just gonna share the power of God in in really because they're teaching you all these homilet, what they call homiletics, and uh, I think that's the right yeah, word. Yeah, that's the right word. Homiletics, that, hermeneutics. Yeah. yeah, and just like how, which, looking back hey, on let's, it. Let's take a break. So, Jace, our good friends at Scoremaster have a three-week rule that they call the best financial advice ever. Did you know that? No, I'm I'm on the edge you, of my seat. You're waiting on the edge of your yeah, seat. Sure. Wait three weeks to buy that new car. Wait three weeks to refinance your home mortgage, or wait three weeks to finance any major purchase. Hmm. So you say, why three weeks? Because that's how fast the average ScoreMaster user takes to boost his or her credit score by an average of sixty-one points. So when you add points to your credit score, you're able to get a lower interest rate which in the long term, especially on these large purchases, is going to save you tens of thousands of dollars. ScoreMaster technology was developed by credit data scientists to boost your credit score higher and faster than you even thought possible. So check them out. just takes a minute to get started. Uh, You try ScoreMaster for free, and you can see how many points, how many plus points that you can add to your credit score. You do that by going to scoremaster.com slash fill. That's scoremaster.com slash fill. Scoremaster.com slash fill and add points to your credit score. Looking back on it, it did help me yep. organize thoughts, but because I, I realized some of their principles was true at the time. I thought, boy, this is a complete waste of time. You know, right. point one, point two, point three. I'm like, I got one point. And that's kind of the way I always but see your, but, but, but your style and personality, because now we have the benefit of we're both getting older, but you're now me looking back, your style and personality is such that you, you weren't good in the grind. Ministry is a yeah. grind. I mean, I'm no good at that. I, it, I'm claustrophobic. Right. I'm, I'm, you know, I, you like to take something and noodle and work it out into the way you want to do it and let that, however long that takes is how long it takes. If you're assigned something, mm-hmm. that's what you do. But when you're full time working it and you got to go on Sunday, back in the day, twice on Sunday and once on Wednesday, I mean, you're talking about a grind. If you don't have a, it's like doing a, it's like doing a show. You know, if you don't have a procedure of how the show's going to go, I mean, if you just got to yeah. keep coming up with it on the fly every time you go out there, I mean, it's hard to make a Al, TV show. If I was working for a church, they would have fired me. Because, look, you know what I would do? Because he would be my style. I lasted 25 years in the same but place, you, but I'm you, built for it. I you're mean, good at that, right. and that's why God uses us with our different talents. Because you know what exactly. I would do? If I had to preach every week, I'd say once a month I would get up and say one sentence. <laughs> And and look, and people, I'd get up and say, it's not about you. And I go and they invite everybody look around and be awkward. Do good. See y'all next week. That's what I'm saying. It's like, because I don't like the routine. I think it get it's hard for people to go do the same thing every week. And it's too hard on the guy. A lot of these churches have one guy who's getting up and it's like, man, it's killing him. Because yeah. half the people are asleep, and right. it's like it's just it's hard to have one central theme 
being that you're trying to represent and introduce, but you're doing so much of it from this material and looking at the trees that the forest is missing, people get bored, and then it just kind of turns into a, I would have to break that up. Yeah, and and you're right. It's very hard in that, in the structure of, you know, any model, but especially the American church model, it's very difficult to do anything different or creative because well, you're exactly. just you're built into that, you know, here's the way we're going to so do it. You my know. point was, before you read your top 10, my, but my point was, so I I realized I need I want to go out there to the world yep. and do this. And, and it, he, I mean, God is the one that made that happen in the duck call world and the things that I do. And even right. now I got into a hobby, you know, Metal detecting, but I'm doing the same. Yep. I had the same idea. I was like, maybe God can use this since he spent so much time, way more time talking about finding treasure than he did about shooting ducks in the Bible. I right. mean, there's a couple of passages that I've used many times in my in my seminars, you know, Genesis 9, Acts 17. So, all right, well, I was just going to show the fact that we're that different. I mean, we're brothers. We came to the same place, went to the same school. And we went in two totally opposite directions for the same cause of Christ. I right. think it's pretty interesting. And and I'm like you now. I mean, like I still I still preach here um, just because of circumstance. Because Trent, our good friend, was here and then and left, and so we, it's kind of temporary. But it, you know, we've been doing it now a couple of years. But I enjoy preaching. But I'm like you now. That feel of going out and just being in all these different settings, like where I'm going to be in Illinois, there's a men's thing that night. The reason I can't tell you where, didn't tell you where it was before, is because it's it's already sold out. Yeah. You know the place, but it's exciting. You know, it's yeah. fifteen hundred men are going to be there, and yeah, man, that's what I like to do. I mean, that's exciting. Know? But I can't when I speak at the local church, and y'all have asked me a few times. It's so awkward to me. It's like <laughs> the worst crowd in the world. I'm like. <laughs> What is wrong with these people? <laughs> and what's funny is they love it and they love you. It was kind of like with Bowles when he was there. I mean, yeah. he got a big reaction, which he did awesome. He was so good. But like even when he was doing it, there wasn't much reaction. I mean, you know, oh, I told him when we were in Greece together, I said, look, when they ask you to speak there, I want you to lower your expectations. <laughs> this crowd, it, it seems like they're either asleep or dead. I was like, but I actually think they like it. it no, they, they do. They're just not. And I can read them better because people. I've been up in front of yeah. them a lot more. Well, so. you seem fine with it. Right. But to me, I'm like, man, where's the energy? Because I'm doing all these things on but the But you know road. what helped me a lot, Jace, which is funny about that? When, when we went through, when the pandemic first started, we were just up there in a room with TV cameras and about six people. Because this one, remember, it all started back in 2020 because mm-hmm. everybody's worried about everything. So we weren't meeting. And so there was just a camera and... I'm standing there with my notes, and there's six yeah. people in the room. Yeah. But I'm trying to, like, be energetic because I know that hundreds or thousands are watching. Mm-hmm. And so – but I learned a little bit about that idea that as, as much as a crowd helps you, you can't depend on them because right. you still got something you got to do, you know, something you got to Yeah, say. and ultimately it's not about us. It is about God's power speaking through us. All right, so here's my top ten list. Um, all right, so uh, top ten things I wish I knew when I started. The first one is to be creative and aware of your culture around you. Because I think, as we just said, one of the things that when you're just locked into the weekend, week out routine is you don't tend to look and see what's going on much outside of just that. Yeah. And so I, I think people lose creativity because they're not aware of what else is going on. You got to get out of your little pen that you're in. It's, I spent so many years in the same place. So all my illustrations, everything, were just coming out of just right here right. instead of out there. Well, yeah. that's, I think you're right. Even when we took the world culture class, although I thought, I mean, they could have just done one class, which said, be aware that there's some different cultures out there. Yeah. That's all I needed. That's right. I didn't need 10 weeks of it. No. But I do think that's important, but it's going to be the same message and the same Jesus. But to your point, me getting out of my local town and going all over the world sharing Jesus, I just found that most churches have way more in common yeah. than what you're led to believe That's right. when you go to a specific one your whole life. And you've talked about it before, your love for worship. I mean, think about the experiences you've been able to have because you've been in other places and you've been able to oh, experience that. Goodness. It's one of the greatest things that I've discovered late. I mean, when you talk about the top thing. 
10 things I wish I knew. I wish I knew that there were a lot of people out there who are excited yeah. and passionate about singing together and yeah. being together in a worshipful setting. I mean, I, know, I realize that true worship is Romans 12, you know, offering your bodies as Every food day. and sacrifice yeah. and transforming, you know, your mind and and to know what God's will is. But there's just something unique and powerful and soothing yeah. and and really inspiring. And Paul even gives you that, remember back when we were 1 Corinthians 2, about there is something special about when we come together, you know, for that purpose. The Spirit of God moves in a different sort of way among the group. So there's no exactly. doubt that's Well, true. it's like that passage. Take a break. Yeah, let's take a break. So, Jace, you ever stood on the putting green and you're imagining that this one putt you've got is the one to win the Masters? I just win it and say, where's my trophy? <laughs> you don't even worry about it, right? According to, uh, according to what I'm reading here, sometimes when you're standing there, your hat falls over your eyes and you miss the full picture. So our one of our sponsors is a group called NetSuite. And they don't want you to miss the full picture. They say you need to upgrade to them, NetSuite by Oracle, uh, which is really good. There's the number one cloud financial system to power growth. Uh, it helps you with all your financials, your inventory, your human resources, planning, budgeting. So this thing is great for any business, but especially if you got a small business out there. 93% of surveyed businesses have increased their visibility and their control after they upgraded to NetSuite. So I want you guys to check them out. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. So it's going to be, it's N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E, netsuite.com slash fill. And you get a special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That's netsuite.com slash fill. Check them out. Grow your business. like that passage that when God, uh, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, right. mind, and strength. Yep. Well, a lot of churches are really good on the mind yep. and maybe the strength. They work hard or they study hard. They have a bunch of intellectual, but you think heart, soul, mind, strength. Somewhere in there, emotions are involved and passions yeah. And and it's it's okay. You, we we need this. That we're being persecuted. But you know what's interesting? So that's one of the things I learned out of many from when Bowles was here when he did that presentation about the three parts of the heart. Mm. What you just described <clears throat> is actually all the same concept. Mm-hmm. It's all of your heart. You know, it's it's every aspect of who. Well, you it's are. like before you do number two. It's like when I always go to this Hebrews passage, speaking of Jesus. Where he said, uh, where is that? Um, in Hebrews 5, it says, During the j- days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears <laughs> to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. And you've heard me do that bit before. Most people, when they think of reverent submission, they think of you sitting stoically not making a peep trying to do things in what they call decency and in order and here it's jesus he says he was heard because of his loud cries and tears his reverent submission was passionate and and emotional at times and uh i even think of that song that they sang you know in the gospels before he went out to be betrayed and crucified it said when they got together they sung a, a hymn in uh the uh the garden in the garden you know yeah. and i've been there right and i just imagine him and his disciples out under these trees singing a song yeah you're not telling me they weren't moved oh my goodness it, <clears throat> it, and him especially knowing what he was about to do and then looking back on that yeah. what do you think happened post-resurrection the next time his That's disciples right. sang that song. Exactly right. It's kind of like me, you know, when you go to a funeral, I remember going to Jan's funeral and singing the songs that she used to love yep. when she was here with us on the earth. It was emotional, wasn't it? You just couldn't help it. And it was one of the most powerful worship-filled experiences that I've ever participated in, and it was the death of my aunt. 
Yeah. Remember that? Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, my goodness. This is, because we it really all know was her a celebration. Heart. Yeah, for God. And we're like, this is bigger than us and bigger than our time on earth. But then when I, when I experienced that, then I started going back and reading all these passages that I neglected. Even Jesus walking on the water, it says they fell down and worshiped in that moment. Right. I mean, it wasn't a Sunday morning sitting around looking, just singing the same songs. And so I think if you look at it more of that, this journey that we're experiencing in Jesus on a daily basis and sharing him, when you get together with these people and you see lives being transformed and, and even the in the difficulty and, you know, people die and bad things happen and we gather together and we pray and we have these worship filled experiences that are directed toward God, there's just something powerful and moving about that. Yeah, and once you're affected, then you can affect other people. So number nine, if you're you know doing that true top ten list, was uh, God, which is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, is the star. The Bible is the script, and you, as a minister, are merely the narrator. Um, you know, because it's easy sometimes in our world of ministry, especially if you're the, you're the main pastor, they call it, that it becomes about you. You know, yeah. this is my church. This is my this. This is my. But you got to realize you're just a narrator. I mean, this is you're doing VO work, voiceover work. Well, you need to bring this up because the people in the audience sitting there with a notebook saying, oh, I don't agree with what he said there. And that there, it's like, what, what are we doing here? Right. And even you got to remember as a pastor, you're a flawed human being. Exactly. What if you get it wrong on a small point or it, it just that that's a that's a good one. Yeah, I, I do think that 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 should be said. And then I've got a picture of the the pulpit that Mac Owen, you know, my good friend, built. He's a he's a master carpenter. He built this big pulpit and it looks like a cross when you're looking at the audience. But it's got a thing where the middle part of the cross where you can lay your stuff on and behind that cross facing only me. He wrote in there. He burned it in there. It's not about you. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember saying. You the remember first saying time that? I yeah. spoke. But I, I think that's a that's a very Im- important point. All right. So uh, number number ten, nine, number eight is that, and this goes along with the same thing: is that praise and criticism are vastly overrated. <laughs> so yeah. both. I mean, like you know, somebody doesn't like you, doesn't like your style, doesn't like your preaching, whatever. You, you know, there's a, this guy's the worst, but you're really not the worst. There's somebody out there worse than you. Oh, yeah. And but if they say this guy is the best, well, not really, because there's somebody better than you, too. So the thing about it is in the large scheme of things, you have to realize that when people are praising you or criticizing you, you know, it's overrated. But really, look, Al, the ministry, if you're there and whether you're paid or not, I mean, because I figure wherever I'm at, I'm being a part of the body of Christ. I'm trying to lift up Jesus in a world that needs him. I I keep going to Matthew 28. But the bigger the message becomes, and and everybody likes a dynamic, growing church. Right. And if it takes off, then there's always going to be a temptation to say, well, we're doing this because we got this preacher. Oh, you got to come listen to this preacher. Oh, he's awesome. We got a good one. Well, if that's the catalyst. Don't let anybody hire him. Guess what? That's not going to work (laughs) long because it's not about him. That's right. What I was going to say is the more when things get rolling, I think as the pastors got to remember is the bigger the ministry becomes, the smaller you become. Yep. In any project, right? I mean, even even what we did from uh, with our little duck show to uh, even stuff that you see out there, like things that are successful. Like I think about the chosen. The bigger that thing gets, the less it'll be about yeah. who's in charge of that. And but you even told Dallas, "Let's take her last break." We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. 
We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson-Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org slash chosen. I did tell him you that. You had to tell him that because he was taking too much of it personally. Well, he just, well, he asked me, you know, what do you do about all this, this criticism? I'm like, nothing. Because you know it's great. That's right. And people are like, what? Well, I got the idea from John the Baptist. Yeah. I mean, when he was running around and he made that statement and he was having all these problems and he said, you know what? I have to become less and he has to become more. Exactly. Because he was pointing people to Jesus and the bigger it got, well, the less he became and in fact was beheaded. Yeah. Well, if it would all depended on John the Baptist, the whole thing would have ended Think right about there. how humble that was because he said that about himself, which is true. And then Jesus said about him, I tell you what, there's nobody walking around on the earth that's any better than that guy. Yeah. He was like, among men, he's the best. Then he said, but the least in the kingdom is greater than him. So it was like, yeah, he's great, but at the same We're time. We're all members of the body, and some of us are pinky toes, and right. some of us are biceps, you know. Exactly. But. So my verse with that, Jay, because so, I hadn't read all the verses, but the Jeremiah 20 and verse 9, which was our theme verse when we were in preaching school, the idea about praise and criticism because Jeremiah was the, he was the, the worst in terms of effectiveness, the worst preacher in the history of preachers because yeah. nobody was ever converted or, you know, turned it around. But he said, if I say, I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart, like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I have weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Yeah. So we 40 said, years without a convert. No Just convert, 40 that. years. And he said, but you know what? I'm not shutting up. Not shutting up. <laughs> it's in there. The next one was, uh, nervous is good, and this is obviously for those that speak, because which you get a lot of opportunities to do that, and a lot of people say, "Well, I'm just too nervous." Kind of like what you said before; it's just it's it's hard to do it. But that's really, when you think about it, a good thing because you're speaking on behalf of the Almighty God. Yeah, you should be. You nervous. should be nervous. I mean, like if you ever just get to where like I'm flipping, I don't care about the, you know, I can speak anywhere. To- I think you see that in some speakers. You do. You know, they get too comfortable. I That's mean, right. these are like people's eternal destinies are changing, and you got to marry a lot of people come out there. I mean, I try to use a lot of humor, which it, most of the stuff people laugh at, I didn't think was funny, but since they laughed, I keep using it because I thought they (laughs) thought that was funny. Somehow they knew it. But at the same time, I'm cautious about that. That's because I come from a a show where people, it's, they, they edit most of what we do. So it's funny. Right. And so they're expecting that and give it to them. But at the same time, I'm nervous about their spiritual eternity. Right. I mean, I don't want them to miss this. There's a seriousness in there that, and, and I have to constantly remind myself, I don't want to be just, you know, there's somebody here that just lost one of their kids or a loved one or whatever. There's people hurting and in pain. So there is a balance there. And when somewhere along the way it changed for me, I was like most people, I was fearful about being in front of an audience because I was afraid I would not run out of stuff to say or say something yeah. wrong. It what now it's not that, but I still have I call it a nervous energy when I get up in front of an audience like I'm like God has something to say here today. Oh, you know? I agree. And, my all my nerves were about that. Yeah. You know, Cuz I was like who am I? I'm unworthy. And a lot of the same things Paul said. And I'm like don't screw this up, Jace, yes, you know. But you know, after a while you just got to realize this is what it is. And even if I get involved and make a mistake or whatever, God's specialty is grace. So, yeah, exactly. The next one was uh, testimonies can be more powerful than sermons. And of course, I used the Revelation 12 11, which was they triumphed over the evil one by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love lies so much as to shrink from death. And the main reason I say that is because a lot of times people in churches, they don't leave room to hear stories about people that have overcome. And what did Jesus do in the Gospels? Oh. Half half of it is testimonies. Right. And you notice every time one of the apostles starts a letter, those that wrote letters, it's always like, this is the word of our testimony. You know, yeah. We saw Jesus. We were with him. Here's what we saw. I mean, you know? Paul told his conversion three times in the book of Acts. The same thing. Right. I mean, you think, well, they're just wasting ink here. Right. Why is he doing that? Because that the transformation power of knowing God and him calling us, 
that is what we're after. Yep. And if he can do that for them, he can do it for you. So. And in the modern era, we had the benefit. We do this a lot at WFR of, you know, you say, well, you know, I know how people think. Well, you know, we get somebody up. They're not used to doing this. What if it goes wrong? What if they say the wrong thing? But, you know, one is you can't worry about all that. But two is now you have video. Yeah, right. And so we use a lot of video testing. But that oh, way you can it. keep think, it condensed down great. to, you know, five, ten minutes, whatever. I mean, the only caveat I have on that is a lot of people, it becomes their testimony. Yeah, I mean, you got to watch God, that. It's God's testimony in you. Exactly. I mean, it's his transforming power. I do think that's important. And I think it's important to be able to say that. I mean, you know, most right. people are, are humble enough to where they're like, you know, they realize that. But most time when I've asked people to... Uh, share what God has done in their life. I mean, they're like, oh, you, you think, you know, I mean, really? They're not like, oh, yeah, I've been waiting for you to say that. I mean, they're reluctant. Yeah. And I'm like, but I like that they're reluctant because that way it's not about you. Well, it's exactly. about what God has done in you. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, the next one, I, I can tell right now we're going to have to go to overtime with some of these, but this one is is really important because it's what I call the four pillars of character. And so this one kind of has four subpoints, and and here's what I say: If person is going to be a leader of other people in the kingdom of God, they need to have these four things. They need to have humility. Mm-hmm. James four: Submit yourselves into God, humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. So Dad always talks about how that you know he said I don't even stand up on the stage. You know I sit down at a table. He's trying to give a visual that he's not above people. Which yeah. I, I, I admire that. I like it. I do too. Because he's saying, I, I want to be humble. And that's one of the characters of what I call pastoral character, uh, one of the pillars. Second one is integrity. And First Timothy 4 says, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Mm-hmm. And this was a young man who was just about, you know, kind of at the beginning block of ministry. And that's what Paul told him. He said, well, look, but even as a young man, don't let anybody look down on you for that. I mean, mm-hmm. you need to have integrity. And if you have it as a young man, you'll probably carry it all the way through your life, which yeah. is which is good. Third pillar is boldness. You, you can, you're never going to be able to lead in or outside the church unless you have some boldness. I mean, yeah. and like you said, boldness helps you overcome even – like, can I really do this? I mean, you know, my own fears and my own words about it. And then the fourth one, which people really miss, I, I feel like, is empathy. Because I feel like that was Jesus's greatest strength is you can't you're not going to have be able to be a very good pastor if you don't have empathy towards other people. In other words, if they're just people that, you know, you have to go preach to or just people that have problems if you can't empathize with their situations and what they're into, whether it's a sinful situation or obviously a, you know, an illness, death, whatever, then you're not going to be able to, be, to pastor them very well. Yeah. You but know? it's difficult because people tend to put people in classes of people. That's you know? right. They're like, Oh, if they got a bunch of money, they could be some exactly. big contributors and they got, well, I'd love to have them. They're my successful. Church. And uh, yeah. then you see some old boy, you know, they used to, I've heard them labeled, you know, EGRs, extra grace required, you know, <laughs> I'm embarrassed. But, I've said it many but times. you know what I realize is I look at our family. I mean, at one point our parents, before they came to the Lord, they could have been known as EGRs. I mean, my dad's a raging alcoholic. We worried you know. yours. Yeah, I mean, it's like... <laughs> we were EE. We needed extra, extra. And my parents, you know, have been involved with bringing thousands of people to the Lord. I, which but, I think that's why. Jess. I think that mom and dad are as good a picture of empathy as anybody I know. All right, so we're out of time. I've only gotten halfway through my list. So in overtime, uh, those of you that uh, subscribed uh, to blazetv.com slash unashamed, uh, I'll give you the back half of these. But so far, I'm off to a good start. So we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.